This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. To have the impact on people that I do, I did as a teacher as well, but I think most kids will find somebody to have an impact on their life. But as adults, many of us never get to find someone to have an impact on our life as adults. And that's something that we can do now. We can have a big impact for a segment of the population that doesn't normally access it. And I think especially as photographers, the gift that we give our clients is to help them be seen. And we can start that by helping them feel heard. That's been the big shift in my life. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Anita Watkins with Anita Watkins Photography, and she left her job after 20 years as a teacher in Canada in order to pursue a career in photography. I always love talking with people who were just like in the teaching or helping professions because it does seem like there's a high burnout rate. And it's always really inspiring when someone takes the steps to make these big changes, especially when you look at the pay and benefits that teachers get in Canada. It's really a great salary. And Anita was actually able to replace her income and start making six figures the first year after she found Subrice Education. When it comes to pricing her work, Anita has a really interesting way to gauge if it's time to increase what she charges, and it actually makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm really excited for you to hear about that and also hear how she uses networking groups in a really great way to get her clients. And I just think this is something all of us should be doing more of. Okay, let's start today's show with Anita Watkins. Hey, Anita, how's it going? Good. How are you, Nikki? I'm doing well. What's happening over there in Canada right now? Well, no snow right now, so that's a bonus. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Seriously, I'm in Michigan, and we had snow like a couple weeks ago, and I was so annoyed. Oh, yeah. it's We're done. We're done. We're ready for spring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the portrait system with us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, so... I kind of want to get right into it because I know there are a lot of educators and just people who work in schools in our Subrice education group. And not even just for teachers and educators, but I think everyone is going to be certainly inspired because I know not only just teachers, but there are so many people who are in a job that they are like, 
get me out of this. And you are such a good example of doing that, of leaving a career and having a successful photography business. So I'm hoping what you can do is just take us back to when you were a teacher and what life was like for you and then just how you transitioned into photography. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> I, know, um, I know. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. In 30 seconds or less, my career shift. Um, <laughs> no, I give was, us the uh, details. We love the details. <laughs> <laughs> I was a high school science teacher for 27 years. I taught chemistry and biology and I loved my job. I loved teaching. I loved working with kids and I had lots of great professional development opportunities and it was a really fantastic career. But I was starting to get bored because the things that I loved most were becoming too easy. And the things that, you know, you never learn to love, like marking and administration and all of that kind of stuff never does get easier. Mm-hmm. So it was taking up more of my headspace. And I tried everything. I, I volunteered for lots of different committees and even changed schools to see if that would give me the kickstart I needed. And, and it just wasn't anymore. Loved the classroom and never, you know, never missed that. And I'm in Canada and teachers are treated very differently here. We, you know, are well-paid, well-respected, great benefits, great pension. And most teachers will just stick it out until they retire. And I have a family and I've got three kids and my oldest was getting ready to leave for university. And through a long chain of events, an opportunity presented itself to me to take a course in photography. And it was always one of my dreams. I would often talk to my students about the disconnect between what their dream job was and what they were actually working towards. So I would model Mm -hmm. it for them. So I'd have them share, you know, what's their dream job and what are they actually working towards? And so I always said my dream job was teaching. But if I couldn't be a teacher, I'd want to be a photographer for, for National Geographic. That was always my line. And I guess saying it for that many years, I got a bit of an itch. And I loved photography. I always kind of did it on the side, but never really formally. And when this opportunity presented itself, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to do it. But I said to my husband, if, if I go, if I do it, I'm going all in. I'm not doing mm-hmm. this half-assed. And yeah, that was the beginning of the end. And the transition, I was fortunate in that I did do a little bit of part-time teaching and then expanded the business a little bit. Okay. And then I finally, three years ago, decided to jump in full-time photography and I took a leave of absence from teaching. Wow. I want to say, I think it's so cool that you actually talked to students about what their life could be and what they can do and making sure that what they're doing is in alignment with that. I'm trying to think back and I just don't recall teachers talking about that sort of thing. It was very much, this is the curriculum. This is what you do. And I know I personally was raised, you go to college, you get a degree and you get a job. And and I love that you, you know, we're talking to kids about that. And I know I've switched my language, my husband and I, to our kids, where it's not like, what do you want to be or what job do you want to have? Or what do you want to, you know, it's what business do you want to own? Ah, nice. What do you want to grow, you know, mm-hmm. business-wise? And again, my kids are almost four and just turned two. So it's like, we're still at the very beginning <laughs> stages of it. But to, to even bring that thought to these kids' mind is so great. Yeah, it was, they would tell me I was the only adult in their lives that would talk like that. Mm. And to talk about how, you know, dreams are possible and you can, you know, it's a choice that you make. And, you know, like if a kid said they wanted to be an NHL hockey player, fine. But if they love math, why can't they be an accountant in the industry and help and, and be sort of with those people and be part of the environment? 
there's lots of ways that we can live our dream. It doesn't always have to be in the first way mm-hmm. that we imagine it to be. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. all for that. Yeah, all in. That's that's my motto, right? <laughs> so, okay. And you had said that you were just getting to the point where you needed to just expand what you were doing in life. And you said you worked full-time for a while and then you did a little bit of part-time. At what point did you just decide that you were done with teaching and take the leap? I had a a challenging administration team and I just made a decision to try it for one semester to take a leave of absence. I was lucky that that was an option. I didn't have to abandon it completely. And if it didn't work, which was possible, you know, they say most small businesses fail, but I was determined to to make it work. I just like I knew that I was going to make it work. My family put a lot of faith in me and I didn't want to let them down and I was determined. So, you know, my first year that I went full time as a photographer, it was 11 months because I started at the beginning of February and I hit six figures in 11 months. So six figures in less than a year. Yeah. Wow. Wait, real quick, though, because you had said in Canada, you're paid well and teachers are very respected and it's just like such a great career. Did your family support you in switching jobs or were they like, what are you doing? They know me well enough <laughs> to know that I've, if I've made a decision, it's best to just get out of my way. But they were super supportive, super encouraging. Like if my head kids had said, you know, mom, this is weird. And, you know, if they had expressed any embarrassment or hesitation, I would have definitely taken that into consideration. But honestly, my family, you know, my husband and my kids are just my biggest supporters and encouragers and literally just stay out of my way. And if you stay out of my way, I can get it done. I love that. Stay out of my way and I'll get it done. That's great. Okay. So let's get into just some of the details. Were you charging people? Did you already have clients when you decided it was time to quit? Did you have a good sales average? You know, take us back to how that all went. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's kind of fascinating to watch the, the evolution of all of that. I mean, Sue's been a huge impact on my business model. And when I became familiar with it, I you know, tried to implement it as much as possible. But in the early days, like when I was still part-time, I remember thinking a $1,500 sale was an astonishing number. And I remember my first one that I had at that level. And I was convinced that those clients would never, ever buy professional photography again because they had maxed out on their lifetime photography amount. That was just kind of my mindset. Right. (laughs) Right. That's an interesting mindset, actually. Now that I think about it, I feel like I've suffered from that same mindset, Anita. I think it's common. And, you know, I've heard Sue say this before, where often what we drop the ball on in marketing is our past clients. Exactly. They have already spent money with us. They are likely to do that again if we keep this nurturing relationship with them. And I remember being like, huh. They would spend, you know, $2,000 with me and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, they hate me because I just took $2,000 from them and they just never want to hear from me again. (laughs) Like, I remember thinking that. It's so weird. It is. And that's the, I think those are the biggest challenges in the business is our own mindset. It's not the external stuff. It's not finding clients. It's, It's none of that. It's our own mindset and our own belief in the value of what we do. And once we conquer that there's no limit into what we can achieve. And it's constant, right? Like I, even for me, I'm fine now with a $1,500 sale. That seems small to me, but I've reached new limits where I hit another barrier and I have to re-educate myself and, and work on my mindset to open up even more possibilities. So I think that's a constant thing that, you know, we think we overcome it and then we <laughs> have to see it again in a new way somewhere in our business. 
And that's okay. That's part of our growth. It means that we're growing and that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you said that Sue had a big impact just in your business model and that sort of thing. Were you ever a shoot and burn photographer? How did you grow your business in general? Yeah, I, I started off as a headshot photographer. Originally, I had a space in my basement and I could you know easily accommodate one person. And I also did some families outdoor sessions. And you know that's when I was still teaching and I was just kind of, I mean, it feels more like puttering in the business, but I was pretty excited to be charging good money. I was never a shoot and burner in the sense of, you know, doing $60 sessions and all your images on a disc. I never wanted to do that because Mm -hmm. if I was going to take time away from my family, it had to be worth it. I had to have fun doing it and it had to, there had to be a benefit financially in order for me to then use that money to do things with the family. So no, I never was that But I did struggle. Like I remember the first time I charged someone $190 for a headshot thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe like just that was unreal to me. But that's where I started. And then a studio fell into my lap about four years ago and it was beautiful. And that's where I really started to explore portraiture more seriously. Mm. Just having the, the physical space and the light and the energy. Like it was just, it's a magical place. So I feel very, you know, blessed to have found it and it's very affordable. So that was a bonus. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when the portraiture really started to expand. Okay. So you mentioned that it used to be just 190 for one headshot. What do you charge now? What's your sales average now for headshots? Most of my headshots are now converting to personal branding sessions. Okay. So when someone makes an inquiry for a headshot, they don't know what they want or need generally. And so part of my communication is to just give them some ideas of how else they can use me. So depending on how busy I am, I might mention that I have a headshot session. That's just a plain headshot session. That is $450 for two images, no hair and makeup, just that's it. But if I'm busy, I won't even put that paragraph into the email because most people do want a personal branding session. And that I price the same as my regular portrait session. So with the session fee that I just went up to $250, including hair and makeup if they want. And if they don't want it, that's fine. It's still $250. And then I price my images the exact same as I do my portraits. And my average has been about $3,000. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, what would be the difference between headshots and personal branding. Can you just explain at least how you do it? What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so for me, it's a little different than how a lot of people in our community talk about it. So for me, a headshot is just, you know, shoulders and head, like a tight end crop. Mm -hmm. I shoot tethered to a computer. I'm on a tripod. I won't do any additional, you know, pulled back images at all in a headshot session. So they're just looking for, you know, shoulders and head, tight crop, I give them a variety of crops and shapes and so forth. So they can use it on LinkedIn or perhaps their company website. That's all they're looking for. Whereas my personal branding will include a lot more variety of posing and variety of backgrounds, variety of outfits, lighting. There's a lot more flexibility. So, you know, the crossover between portraits and personal branding is like a fairly big overlap. But the difference is the intent. So for me with personal branding, I spend a lot of time talking with the client about what their business or their work is like and what kind of Mm -hmm. ideal clients they want. And I really focus on making sure that wardrobe choices and lighting choices and background choices reflect the energy that they want to demonstrate. And so that their, you know, LinkedIn, their website, their business cards, like all the things that they need images for, their PDFs, all those things look great. And 
match their brand. And so one of the best compliments that I get from my clients is they felt that they were hiding behind their business. But once they have a personal branding session with me, they feel that they're ready to kind of step into their business or their work and to be present and to be visible. And they have this folder full of amazing images that allow them to do that. And, and I've had clients tell me that it was the first time they felt really confident and how that helped them really catapult into the next level in their business. And that's amazing. That expression, I feel like that could be a powerful almost marketing tool. Are you hiding behind your business? Because I think so many people are. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about before on this podcast about how it's such a vulnerable place to be getting photos done. Often people don't like their photos. They don't like how they look in their photos, so they avoid it. And they, like you just said, they hide behind their business. Yeah. Now, you said that you do offer the kind of one or two headshot type thing. So if someone inquires with you and says, I just want one or two, do you offer that 490 or do you try to upsell them right away into the personal branding? So it really depends on how busy I am. You know, if it's a little bit quieter, then I'll happily have them come in and often they'll buy some extra images anyways. So it ends up being a higher sale. But, you know, I want to serve my clients. So many clients think they only want one or two images because they think mm-hmm. they're going to be the one that's going to break my camera and they can't imagine that they right. would have more than one or two that they would like. Right. And so I don't have a minimum. And I tell them, you know, if they only want one or two images, they're welcome to buy them. I price my individual images high enough that it's not as painful for me. And so I have had clients who, you know, because of their own situation, they would love to buy them all, but they can't. And if they have, you know, one, two, three images that they adore, that's going to make them feel powerful and help them you know, move forward in their, in their work or their business, then I'm happy to serve them. Mm-hmm. And so my individual images are priced at two ninety five. So, you know, in the communication, I'll say, you know, if you only want two images, then you're paying five ninety, and that's awesome. But you and I both know that they're going to fall in love with all their images. And many of those people mm-hmm. who thought they would take one or two end up with 10, 20, 30, 60. Right. You know? right. <laughs> so... Well, and this is another good example of we can take a business model that works really well and make it our own. My smallest package is five photos. Mm-hmm. For, well, six for portrait, five for personal branding. Yeah. And so if someone comes to me and says they want one or two, I explain, well, you know, my smallest package is five photos and here's why. And I go into, you know, the different ways that they can use their photos. And they're set for a year now with different images that they can use across the board with social media and that sort of thing. And, you know, with their website. And some people do it the way that you do it. And that works great too. So it's like figuring out what works well for you and you get to make that decision and just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I couldn't ever go to the, okay, I offer one or two model, or you couldn't ever go to just package only, like you're done with the one or two, you know, it's so it's just nice that we can kind of make it whatever works best for us. And that's, I think what's really important on all of this, you know, my packages and and the way I price is evolved. And for me, it's, it's always a gut check. So if I'm feeling really that I've been undervalued, that I've been used and uncomfortable with how things went, then I know my pricing isn't good for me. Mm, mm-hmm. And if my client is going to feel, you know, that they've been ripped off, then the pricing isn't good for them. But if we both come out of it feeling really valued and excited, I'm excited about the sale and they're excited about the great value they got, then that's the perfect way to do it. That's the model I've followed all the way through. And for me, I used to have a package of six images and it always made me 
uncomfortable when I sold it because I used to include a folio box and, you know, my profit margin was pretty small Mm -hmm. and I ended up getting rid of it. So I offer individual images and my small edge package is 10 and almost nobody gets individual images. I can think of maybe three people who did that. That's not bad after, you know, the hundreds of clients I've had. So it comes down to our own confidence and and how we sell and how we value what we do. And I think Mm -hmm. the clients Mm -hmm. will grab our confidence, right, to help them choose what's best for them as well. I like this a lot. So what is your 10 photo package? What do you charge for that? Yeah, it's still a bit low. That's my own block that I can't overcome. So right now my 10 is 1800 and my 20 is 2800. And then I'm charging 890 for every 10 photos above that. I think I have a 30 package as well and I mispriced it at 3600. And then I have had larger sales. So it's funny because there might be people out there where you're saying it's low, 10 photos for 1800 People might be like, whoa, that is so not low. <laughs> and some people <laughs> might be like, yeah, that's pretty low. You could bump it up. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's a process sometimes. Exactly. And sometimes that process takes people longer than others. Like for you, you were making six figures in 11 months. Clearly, you were able to go through the process of feeling a little icky about $190 for a photo or for headshots. Now you're at 1800 you think is low. So it's amazing how you can come full circle and really make some progression. And the better you get, the better your service is, and the more that you are offering your client in terms of value and experience, and the more your name gets out there, it almost seems like the comfortability, it becomes easier almost to sit with your prices and to be okay with it. Yeah, and it's all mindset, right? Like it's recognizing the value of what we're offering. And, you know, I think those of us that are, are having some success, it's because we can see the value of what we're giving and our clients are generous in sharing that information. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the sort of secret to be able to manage and, and to be able to make a business that can support your family. Setting the bar with what your gut tells you with how you feel, like if you sell a couple low packages and you're feeling like, eh, this isn't worth my time, I'm feeling a bit ripped off, that sort of situation. I really like that sort of mindset because I can think of times when I raise my prices where now that I'm thinking back, that's what it came down to where I was like, okay, this smallest package, I've got to raise this because it is not, it's not worth my time right now. Yep. It's interesting. Although I don't know, I'm trying to think of like the conversion rate between Canadian dollars and US dollars. I don't know what the equivalence is in US dollars for 1800. Yeah. It's about a third difference. Okay. So a thousand American be about 1300 Canadian, 1350. Okay. Yeah. So we're pretty much in alignment then with our 10 photo package. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm, Cool. Very cool. Now, back when you were starting building your portfolio and just getting clients and like, how did you get off the ground? How did you build your portfolio? What did all of that look like for you? My portfolio build was actually a personal project Mm. that wasn't intentional. It was accidental. My mom had passed away in 2015 and I was coming up on the one year anniversary of her death. I had just acquired this new studio And my brain was kind of, you know, trying to find ways to not deal with the grieving. So I decided to invent this personal project where I've posted a blog every day for a month in February, which is the one year anniversary of my mom's death, just to keep myself busy. Of course, while I'm teaching and doing exams and starting a new semester. So the timing really sucked, but it demonstrated to me that it's amazing what you can get done in a day. And I said, photograph 28 different women and I had no idea how to do it. And that was when I really started using Sue's information. And I had watched videos on repeat and had done drawings. And before every session would watch certain segments again. And 
I really grew as a photographer when you're doing that many shoots in one month. That was incredible. So that project showed me that I loved photographing women in particular. Later on, I discovered I also love photographing men, but just individuals and connecting with them Mm -hmm. one-on-one. And that experience was magic. And that transformed my business. So that was my folio build. Now, as far as my marketing goes, I read as much as I could. And there are lots of things that I didn't like. I'm not a great networker. I'm, you know, I'm an extrovert and I'm like an ambivert. I've got both extrovert and introvert in me, but I just didn't really enjoy the typical networking where, you know, people are trying to sell you stuff as soon as you meet them. But what worked for me was just to join certain groups or organizations that weren't networking and meet people organically. And so I had found a couple of organizations, one that worked trying to have an impact on the politics, on policy that was being created in our country. And it's a network of women all over the world that try and do the same thing. And so when you have a common purpose, it really connects you together. Mm -hmm. And so I got to meet a lot of wonderful women who became clients then. And then there was another group where I was introduced by a former client to a woman that was starting a women's entrepreneur group. And we had meetings once a month and I ended up photographing most of the women in that particular group, but not because I was doing a hard sell, but they got to know me and they, you know, discovered my work and trusted who I was as a person. And I did my best to support as many people as I could. And I signed up for classes and I went to things and just being their student often was a great opportunity. Again, it's not in a slimy way. It was very sort of natural, very organic, but expanding my network and supporting other businesses increased my own profile. Mm -hmm. And if the instructor happened to have been a client of mine, they started just automatically raving about me to everyone else. And I suddenly got on everyone else's radar. And, you know, eventually I'd shoot many of them as well. So that's been kind of the magic process for me not the networking groups per se, but just almost more community. That's when magic for me. Are you saying, for example, if someone in your networking group has like, you know, a vision board class or like a yoga studio or something like that, you would maybe join one of their classes or become one of their clients type thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think if we're only open to receive from other people, and we don't have anything to offer to other people, you're really limiting the success that you can have. Mm -hmm. Like I think of, you know, people I've met that are selling gadgets for some company or something. And, you know, within the first minute of meeting them, they're trying to make you buy their product. And it just feels slimy, right? Yeah, totally. Whereas I would rather they have no idea what I do. And I just want them to think that, And because it's true, like I just want, I'm curious about people. If I meet someone, I'm just going to delve into a deep conversation right away. And they'll have no idea what I do by the time we're done necessarily. They think I'm the best person because I was sincerely curious about them. Right. And then when we meet again, they might come across it or they might hear about it. And it's just about being, I think, a warm, curious person is going to get you a lot more business than the hard sell. Absolutely. But everyone's different right? Everyone's different, but it's a strategy that works for me. And, you know, there's certain communities that I'm well known in here. So the theater community, I used to do volunteer work for them. And I've gotten so many referrals and like some of my best clients have come from referrals from that community because before I did the business full time, I used to volunteer and, and do stuff for them all the time. And so they love me and they love my work and they tell everybody about me. 
That's so great. And you're right. Everyone remembers the person who listens and who asks questions and makes you feel cared about. And that, you know, makes it feel like they're interested in you. And everyone remembers also the person who talks about themselves nonstop. And they're going to remember you for different reasons, right? Like Exactly. The people who talk about themselves nonstop and have no listening skills and don't seem to have any interest, it might not be intentional. Maybe they're nervous. Maybe, you know, maybe that's just how they are. Who knows? But the energy in which you remember that person with is not usually someone you want to do business with. And then the person you remember who is just so open and curious and, you know, ask questions, they're the person that you're you're going to want to do business with. I mean, I, I can think of these two separate types of people in my head clearly when I think about my networking groups. Mm-hmm. And I think especially as photographers, like the gift that we give our clients is to help them be seen. Mm -hmm. And we can start that by helping them feel heard. And it translates so well from one to the other. And so if they feel heard and cared about, then they're going to take the risk to feel seen, even though they're convinced they're going to be the one to break your camera. (laughs) But we've already (laughs) broke down that first barrier, right? Because we've allowed that. Right, exactly. And there's a video on the Subrise Education website about business to business connections and networking in that way. And really the foundation of it is to do exactly what you're saying is like, often it means becoming a client or, you know, respected by them first in a different way. And that is going to go so much further than just like you said, that hard sell or what am I going to get from you? It's all about what am I going to give back to them and that even exchange so that both of you feel like this is a great partnership and a great relationship and you want to tell other people about you. Exactly. And community is, I think, what's going to really help propel many of us in our business. But also realizing you can't put all your eggs in one basket either because you want to have different communities that you expose yourself to Mm -hmm. so that you can continue to have new clients and then hopefully repeat clients from your former clients. Right, right. And it's not even about when I say become someone's client, it's not like if you don't have the money to spend on something, you know, to buy something from someone or whatever, it doesn't even necessarily mean spending money with someone, but it could mean giving a shout out to someone on social media exactly, or referring someone who you know needs them. Or like you said, if they have some sort of free event that they're putting together in a lot of female entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs, I don't mean to exclude men, but it seems like females tend to love these like online events and just getting together once we can again. And even just showing up to something like that. And you know, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to learn something. You're going to meet someone, you know, so you're showing up for them. I mean, I almost want to challenge people out there. Find some sort of event to go to in the next, well, okay. I shouldn't say that go to right now because we can't. Okay. Online. Someone is having a virtual meetup within a network of people who you want to photograph. There is someone out there. Find something to show up to, even if the topic doesn't interest you 100%. Just, you know, show up. And right there, that could make a connection with someone. And I think it's important, too, to recognize that sometimes it takes time. Like, I remember one group, mm, the mm-hmm. first first few times I went, and, and I vividly remember the first time I went, and I sat down beside a woman and, you know, the two of us are trying to engage in some idle chit chat and we're like, yeah, this is brutal. And I didn't know anyone in the room and I made myself (laughs) go back. And the woman Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about is actually one of my dear friends now. And, you know, sometimes it just takes time. It does take time. So don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. I think all groups are not created equally and there is different energy among different groups. And I remember going to one group for the first time 
And I felt like it was this hierarchy of like the queen bees and I didn't feel exactly welcome. And it almost became a challenge to me. Like, I'm going to make these people like me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm going to kill them with kindness and I'm not going to let this sort of energy get to me. You know, I'm just going to be nice to people like I normally am and just see what happens. And I got so much business from that group eventually. But like you said, it took time. They had to, you know, earn my trust. There was already another photographer in there who was doing these $100 headshot type things. And actually, she had moved out of the country shortly after I joined. So it was kind of good luck for me. But, you know, I was up against this $100 headshot person. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my smallest package is $800. And people are like, what? You know, so it did. It took time to kind of just show people who I am and show my work and show people that it's worth it. And so many of those women became my clients and then their friends became my clients and then their friends. I mean, it's awesome. just, it's amazing, but it took time. Like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is that how you get most of your clients then is through networking or do you have other avenues as well? My SEO is awesome. So I'll rank on page mm-hmm. one in my area for most search terms, oddly enough. What type of search terms are you talking about? I'm curious. Everything. So from headshots, personal branding, portrait photographer, family photographer, like just all kinds. Like within your city? Yeah. So my city is about 400,000 people, just my actual town plus the surrounding area. So it's fairly large. And, you know, that's the one thing people will be looking for are headshots or personal branding, even if they don't know the term. Mm -hmm. So I will get, you know, probably about maybe 40 to 50% of my business is still cold inquiries. And then the rest are Mm. referrals or former clients or my personal connections that I make. Now, is your SEO something that you're just naturally good at and you enjoy doing or is it? Oh, God, no. No. How did you, (laughs) how did you build that up? I mean, I know we could do a whole class on that. Yeah. So I had done it first of all, very early on, I had taken, I think the very first course I had taken, there were some tips and tricks on how to do things. And then most of the search terms that I rank for, I didn't intentionally try and build my SEO to it somehow organically, they all kind of connected. I think part of the issue is that a lot of photographers don't bother with their SEO. So if you make Mm -hmm. any effort, I mean, places like New York or LA or Toronto, like these big cities, people have to invest a lot more time and energy, but most smaller places, people, I find photographers don't. So if you put even a little bit of effort, you're going to bounce up to page one. So there's only probably three or four photographers in my area that put any effort into getting their SEO up there. So you know, I would encourage anyone to, it doesn't matter. There's all kinds of tricks and they're always changing and, and so forth. But even putting a little bit of effort in will pay off. Like I'm genuinely shocked at how, how much it's paid off. And I haven't done anything intentionally since I built that website, maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. Wow. That's really great. Now sitting here listening to you and I mean, just the success that you've had and it has been three years since you went full-time, right? Yes. Yeah. So last year I hit 185,000. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's, and I had big hopes for this year, but obviously things are a little bit different. So we'll see. (laughs) I know. Let's hope that, you know, we'll just be super busy, right? When we're we're able to be again, everyone's going to be like, okay, I'm ready for photos now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what is life like? Like, how is it different from when you were a teacher and what life is like now? Can you see my shit eating grin? <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I know it. Trust me, I've had it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for me, being my own boss has just 
been the hardest and the most wonderful thing that I've done in my work life. It's hard. There's no question. It's if it was easy, everybody would do it and everybody would be a success. But you know, doing the work can allow you to finally have that success. And and for me, the freedom, you know, the first couple of years that I went full time, my youngest was still in high school and I was able to go to every single athletic event that he was in. So I went to every cross country run. I went to his swim meets. I went to uh, his rugby. I went to his ultimate frisbee. Like I did everything. And as a teacher, I could never go. And that was huge for me to have that freedom in my business that I could set my own hours. If I, you know, knew his schedule mm-hmm. in advance, I could pick and choose that I was going to be available. And I was just, I, that was everything to me to have that freedom to travel. Mm-hmm. It's been incredible. The opportunities I've had with workshops and conferences and the people that I've met, you know, whether it's on, you know, some of my friends I had met online and didn't, I've still never met, but they're still my friends. And some of them I've been fortunate enough to meet online. But I remember at the last Portrait Masters conference last September, it was, I think, of the final day at breakfast. And I went to go get another coffee and I just looked over at the entire group sitting at the tables. And I had this overwhelming wave of gratitude hit me when I realized that I've made more friends in this short few years that I've done my business than I have in the rest of my life combined, like, or wow. my other career and mm-hmm. the connections I've made. And, and I feel like I found my tribe. I had an entrepreneurial spirit as a teacher and I didn't quite fit in. Like, you know, since I'm telling my students to follow Mm -hmm. their dreams, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can tell I didn't quite fit in. And so, you know, working on your own little island there was, was very isolating. Whereas now with other photographers, and I've met, you know, people with other kinds of businesses as well, not just photographers, but other kinds of entrepreneurs or small business owners. And I feel like I found my people. And I just remember that I like I almost started crying as I was standing there for coffee with just complete gratitude. So that's been the biggest shift in my life is I just I found my people. I found where I belong. I have so many friends in the industry and the ability to grow and to choose how much and when I get to grow and to have the impact on people that I do. I did as a teacher as well. but now almost it's, you know, with kids, I think most kids will find somebody to have an impact on their life. But as adults, many of us never get to find someone to have an impact on our life as adults. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. something that, Mm -hmm. that we can do now. We can have a big impact for a segment of the population that doesn't normally access it. So that's been the big shift in, in my life. What a great perspective. Yeah. It's been a gift. It's been a gift. I love it. What does your family think? Oh, they're so proud. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> like I said, just as long as I stay out of my way. <laughs> because you're in your 50s, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm 55. So you started this at 52. Yeah. Yeah. So a little a late bloomer, but you know. Well, and not even. I mean, you've got a lot of life to live. You know, it's... it's. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't ever make that change. Like you said, you just, you're in it and you're so deep, especially a teaching career. Because you've got the pension and and we get tempted with summers off and that sort of thing. And man, when when my teaching friends, when I see them online going back to school, I'm like so happy it's not me. I mean, it's been since 2000. <laughs> let's see. I worked 
through the end of the school year. So till like June of 2014, part-time. It never gets old when September comes around and we're at Portrait Masters and I'm just like, yes, I'm not back <laughs> back at the school. You know, it's just. Yeah. And again, like you said, you know, obviously we start a career because it's something that we're interested in. And, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of us love what we did for a long time. Absolutely. And it's when we stop loving it and become indifferent towards it. That's when it's like, okay, I'm ready to make the change. Like you said, you weren't feeling challenged. You weren't growing. You weren't, you know, so it was time for you and you did it. So great. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's It's been the best midlife crisis ever. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> yeah. And your personal project that you did, is that something you're still doing or is that something that you ever post about or? I share it every year in February. It's up on my website. I haven't taken it down. So if you go to anitawatkins.com backslash leap fear, you can come across it there. And it's, I suggest a glass of wine and a box of Kleenex. They're really compelling oh. stories. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. I've really enjoyed just hearing all about what you're doing. Thank you. So I do have a couple more questions, though, mm-hmm. that I ask everyone at the end. Would you be willing to participate? Absolutely. Awesome. So number one is what is something you can't live without when you are photographing? So in my studio... I used to joke for a long time about how I should get a rolling stool. And I finally did. Mm. I just went to the hardware store and got one of those little mechanic stools. And that is life changing. (laughs) I roll around and it gets me to a nice low level so I don't have to crouch. And it's been awesome. And it's also, you know, kind of fun because you can lift your feet up and roll right across the whole studio and the clients love watching me kind of be goofy on it. But what it does is it really helps me get low to get to the right position comfortably. And it was a great cheap, you know, less than 50 bucks. You can get one and great tool for in the studio. Brilliant. Brilliant. No one said that yet. And I'm going to have to look into getting one of those because that just, yeah, I love, love that idea. I'm always looking for somewhere to sit so I can get down to the eye line if Mm -hmm. my client's sitting and I'm like sitting on an Apple box and so uncomfortable or like, ugh, brilliant. And just be able to move up and close, right? To be Mm -hmm. able to move back. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. ideal. Like it's just, you know, I can't believe I waited as long as I did. So I encourage everyone to get one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Number two, how do you spend your time when you're not photographing? learning about business (laughs) still because I really enjoy it like I love to learn I'll I'll learn about anything so traveling is huge in our family cooking reading but right now it's been mostly business books you know binge watching shows with family that's also fun Mm -hmm. I'd like to do some some more creative things that aren't necessarily photography related so I I keep talking about it so maybe I should just go and do it I'd love to watercolor paint like that's something I've dabbled a little bit in and yeah, just something different, right? Because I think sometimes we forget we're working hard so that we can have a life <laughs> and that the working hard doesn't have to be our life. Right. So I think finding that balance can be a little bit tricky. So I have to, that's something I'm trying to remind myself of a little bit more now, but I really do enjoy learning and, and trying, you know, even the frustrations involved with trying to get new things and systems to work. It's still fun for me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. All right. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Mine's going to be a weird one. It's one I came across in an article by somebody, uh, I'm blanking out on his name, but he won a Nobel Prize in economics. And he said in this, and I took it right away, and it's it's huge for me. It says, if you're the kind of person that finishes what you start, 
what you start might be the most important thing you do. And for me, being more intentional about what I start has become really important. And because I am the kind of person, if I make a decision to do something, it's going to get done. And I didn't realize that about myself until I read that quote, interestingly enough. So yeah, that's given me a lot of, um, a little bit more determination and I think a little bit more confidence. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I was actually, um, I love that quote. I was just searching to see if I could figure out who that is. I'll have to look that up and we'll put it in the show notes of who said that. Yeah, very cool. I love that quote. Okay, so what would you say to people who are just getting started? For me, the big thing when I just got started, and I have no idea where I heard this from or who had said it or if it was multiple people, but if you're going to get started, you have to make a decision early on. Is this a hobby or is it a business? Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be a business, then you have to start acting like that. And mm-hmm. what I see with a lot of photographers is that they love photography so much and, and they're artists at heart and they hate the business side and they don't want anything to do with it. And they think if they just get better at their art, that people will finally buy from them. And it's not going to work that way. You have to make a decision that you're going to have to work on the business if you want to make money doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you just want it to be a hobby. There's no shame in that. If you want to find another way to make your money, that's perfectly okay. You don't have to drag yourself down for that. Because if it was easy, we'd all do it, right? (laughs) But I think just making that decision is it a business or is it a hobby? And make sure, like I invested half my learning in the photography and half my learning on the business. And I did that. I've done that all the way through. You know, I, of course, I want to get better as a photographer and I have. You know, and like every photographer you or any artist, you know, there are times when you get discouraged with your own work because your taste is better than your ability. But that's okay. That growth is important for all of us but you also have to grow as a business person. So that would be my, my biggest mm-hmm. advice. Solid advice. That's for sure. Definitely. I'm glad you said that. All right. What's next for you? Oh, if I only knew I've been <laughs> rocking my <laughs> brain for about two years. I had made a vision board, I think around the time that I had first gone full time and all of it came true. It was the most bizarre Look experience. At that. I know it was the most bizarre experience. And so Now it's like, okay, if I can dream it, I can make it happen. And so I'm trying to dream bigger. You know, I don't want it to just be financial goals or number of client goals. I, you know, I'm trying to imagine it would be cool, I think, to to speak more and to share my, you know, my passion for self-growth and for learning and challenging yourself and not settling and, you know, to hell with fear. And I think I could see myself up speaking on stages at some point. That would be a cool next step for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, you'll have to keep us posted about that. Yeah. Yeah. And where can we find you if people are looking for you online? My business is my name. So on Facebook and Instagram, it's Anita Watkins Photography. And my website, I have two. One's Anita Watkins and the other is Anita Watkins Photography. So you can find me there. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Anita. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you in our Facebook group. (laughs) I know you're active in there. So I always love seeing what you're up to. Oh, it's been awesome. That group has been a huge source of inspiration for all of us, I think. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. We'll talk soon. Okay. Take care, Nikki. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. 
And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.